Take your Bibles, if you would, and, and turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Let's pray, though, before we read God's Word this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much that you are faithful. Uh, God, you each week you bring your Word to us. And, uh, Lord, we are coming to a passage that is very familiar uh, but I pray that that familiarity would not get in the way. The Lord, that you know that uh, we need your help to, to hear and to consider uh, these things and, and how they apply to our lives. And so we pray for the work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts, uh, that our hearts would be receptive to re receive the word that is given this morning. We thank you, Lord, and pray this in your name. Amen. As we come to Psalm 23, uh, it's, it's probably one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known and well-loved psalm in the entire Bible. As a matter of fact, I don't know, it, it may be the most loved and well-known chapter in the Bible. I don't know. You, uh, millions of people have, have memorized Psalm 23. Maybe you had to do so. Uh, as in a kid, if you were an adult now, or maybe kids, you're learning Psalm 23. As a matter of fact, I, I think that would be a great endeavor for us as a church over the next couple of months or so as we look at this psalm, to, uh, as families, as households, to memorize Psalm 23. And as I said before, maybe that's something that you memorized a long time ago when you were a kid, and for you, maybe it's just sort of brushing it off and and, and reminding yourself of it, and if so, great. But I just think how awesome it would be as we um, uh, look at this text over the next several months to be meditating upon that throughout the week and to be thinking about these things uh, as we continue to go through this study. And, and, and parents, I would encourage you to teach your little ones. And if you go, well, I don't know, they're pretty young. Well, number one, I would say kids will surprise you. They can memorize a lot more than maybe you realize. They're, they're like sponges. But if your kids are, are too little and, and you think, well, that's too much, then I would encourage you at least to have them memorize Psalm 23, verse 1. And if you say, well, Pastor Rick, I don't even know that they could handle that, then just memorize the first half of verse 1, if you would. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, but, but let's, uh, let's hide these things in our hearts. Well, as we come to this psalm... Uh, you may wonder, why are we going through Psalm 23 if it is something that's so well known? You know, why not be studying, you know, Obadiah or some other book maybe we've never heard a sermon on rather than looking at Psalm 23? Well, part of that might be because sometimes, even though we're familiar with things, we can sometimes miss out on the beauty of those texts because we think we know it and so we just sort of skim over it or, or, we, or we're not comforted by the psalm as much because we are so familiar with it. And so I want us to, to look at this uh, psalm over this series of sermons and, and to consider this. But this morning I want us to, to really look at three things. First of all, we're just going to sort of orient you to Psalm 23, look sort of an orientation of it. And then I want us to look at the focus of Psalm 23 and then the benefit of Psalm 23. And so let's look at this uh, text this morning. Uh, let me just say this, first of all. The psalm really is a psalm of David. As, as you can see, most of your Bibles probably say that. It's a psalm of a, of a shepherd king. It is um, believed that, that David wrote this psalm 
uh, later on in his life. And the reason why commentators believe that is, is because it really uh, reflects the experience of one who has walked with the Lord for a number of years. It's, it's someone who has lived life. It's someone who has experienced the realities of what it means to live in this world. And David was definitely someone who experienced the highs and the lows of the life of faith, right? I mean, I think that's why so many of us relate to the book of Psalms as we read those, not just David's Psalms, the other Psalms as well, but especially David's, because it's real life. It's where we all live in those highs and in those lows of the life of faith. And David knew what it was to be in the heights with the Lord. I mean, he had grown up in a family that loved Yahweh, that loved the Lord. And, and you knew that with David, it wasn't just that he had learned the facts of who God was, but even as he reflected as he was older and, and the things that, um, that he talked about in the Psalms, you could tell that even from a young age that he knew the Lord, that he had faith in the Lord and he trusted in God. But also we know that that David had seen some pretty incredible things. I mean, one, one of the reasons why I say that he had such faith, we all know the story, kids, of David and Goliath, right? We all know that. But if you think about that, here's this young man who's a shepherd, and he shows up, and the entire Israelite army is afraid of this one man, Goliath. Of course, he was a huge man, so there was a reason to fear. But David walks up, and he's like, Guys! Why are we afraid? You know, and they're like, have you seen the size of this guy? And he's like, but do you not know who our God is? And David, you know, went out there with just a sling and some stones, and he defeated that giant, not because David was so great with the sling, but because of his faith in the Lord. And he knew that the Lord would deliver this heathen into his hands because he was mocking the name of the Lord. So David has seen great heights with the Lord. I mean, he went from a lowly shepherd to the musician of the king to eventually becoming king over the people of God. But David also understood the depths as well. He even understood unbelief and disobedience, and, and I hate to say this, but even rebellion against the Lord. I mean, for years, you think about it, David was running from Saul as Saul was trying to kill him and take his life. Uh, but even as, as well known as, as David and Goliath is also the account of David and Bathsheba and the sin that he committed as he lusted after this woman who was beautiful and he committed adultery with her and then had her husband killed as he found out that she was expecting his child. And, and so great sin and rebellion. And, and not only that, but David had many enemies, even, even within his own household. You know, years later, after David and Bathsheba, as his son Absalom grew, Absalom took over his dad's kingdom from him and to the point where David had to flee for fear of his life because of his own son. And so David knew what it was like to deal with opposition from outside and from within his own palace. Um, I, I think about um, Psalm 41. If you would, turn over to Psalm 41, beginning with verse 5. David talks about the, the, the kind of opposition that he had in his life. And he says in verse 5, My enemies say of me in malice, When will he die 
and his name perish. In other words, when can we get rid of this guy? You know? And then he goes on, he said, All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. And then skip down a little further. He goes, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. See, that's what David experienced. So, so David doesn't write this great dissertation about the good shepherd while he's sitting in some ivory tower uh, in the comfort of life. No, he was a man who knew intimately what it was to experience the great highs and the great lows of the life of faith. And so Psalm 23 is really David's testimony of the Lord's unfailing faithfulness toward him in all those highs and those lows that he experienced as a believer. And so I, I hope that as we come to this psalm and, and study this, it will be an encouragement to you wherever you are in your life with the Lord. And so let's, let's now listen as we read God's word this morning. Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, as we look at this psalm, what we're going to see over these weeks is uh, the vast privileges that belongs to us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, John Owen, he said, Our greatest hindrance in the Christian life is not our lack of effort. You know, it's not our lack of obedience. Sometimes we can think, oh, our sin is, you know, so terrible. And, 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 and it is, but it's not our lack of effort. But it's our lack of acquaintances with our privileges. With understanding the benefits that we have in Jesus Christ. And so we can be sort of uh, tempted by Satan to, to look at the life in which we live. To sort of walk by sight in the things that we see. And the things that we hear in the news. And we respond and we react to those things. Forgetting our great high privilege and benefits as children of God. And walking instead by faith according to those things. And so we need to be regularly reacquainted with the privileges that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's what Psalm 23 does for us. It helps us to get reacquainted with our privileges. And so we want to look at this psalm. And the first thing I want us to do is look at the focus of the psalm. What, who, who is it about? Where, where does it start? You know, we always want to apply everything. It's always about me. But the, the psalm begins this way. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I want us just to break this down. Just go through it maybe word by word and just sort of meditate and, and examine and study the things that we see here. First of all, the Lord. What does he mean by the Lord? Well, you notice that that word is in all caps, okay? Which means it refers to the name Yahweh or Jehovah. It, it is the word in, um, of the great Old Testament personal name for God. It is his covenant name. 
So uh, we see this, first of all, in Exodus 3. Remember where Moses encountered God in the burning bush and God revealed who he was and he revealed himself as Yahweh, as, as Jehovah. And, and this name is repeated thousands of times, maybe up to as much as 7,000 times in the Bible. So it's used a lot. Um, but what it means, the name literally means, I am who I am. I am who I am. And it's an, an inexhaustible name, like the one who bears it. But it, it really means the Lord is the living one. He is the self-existent one, the unchangeable God who establishes and keeps his covenant from eternity to eternity. And the powerful and the sovereign God who works the salvation of his creatures. Now, that's a lot to take in. Let me break that down a little bit for you. He's, he's self-sufficient. In other words, God needs absolutely nothing. Uh, he needs no wisdom from anyone. He has all the wisdom himself. He needs no power. He is all-powerful. He doesn't need to be worshipped. He doesn't need to be helped. He doesn't need to be served. Nor is he accountable to anyone. He answers only to himself. Now, think about that. That's, that's really hard for us to grasp. We may want to operate that way in life, thinking that we are self-sufficient. But, but we know very quickly, as we get into our week, we're not. There are circumstances and things that happen to us that just throw us for a loop. But God is not at all like that. He is the self-sufficient one. But he's also timeless, which means he is eternal. He is independent of time. He means that God is always the same. The, what he was like a thousand years ago, he's like today. And what he's like today, he'll be like 2,000 years ago. He is both unchanged and unchangeable. And so he will remain always the same. Now kids, you might wonder why we have you study the stories in the Bible. And especially as you get older in Sunday school, I know the temptation. I was there. I grew up in Sunday school. You get older and you think, I've heard this story before. I know the ending. Matter of fact, I could tell the story probably better than the teacher does. And you can sometimes have that attitude. But if you're thinking that, young people, you're missing the point. Because we, we read these stories of the Bible and the things that, that God tells us in His Word so that we might understand the character of who God is. That's what those stories tell us. They tell us who our God is and how He interacts with His people. Now, why is that so important? Because the way He interacted with His people then is the way He interacts with His people today. Because God doesn't change. He's not different. And so these stories are very important because they tell us who God is. And when we think of the one who shepherds us, we need to remember that he is the self-sufficient God who is the one who is our shepherd. He is unchanging. Uh, he is more than sufficient to care for us. So he is the Lord. He is mighty. He is great. But he's also the shepherd. The Old Testament speaks of God the Father as being a shepherd. Actually, that, that imagery is used a lot in the Old Testament. Let me take you to a few passages that, that show that. Psalm 80, verse 1. Psalm 80, verse 1. It says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. So who is this shepherd? 
It is God himself. Remember the Old Testament accounts of how God would come down in his Shekinah glory and dwell upon this cherubim. Uh, he is the one who is the shepherd. Look over at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah uh, chapter 40, uh, verses 10 and 11. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, and he will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. You see here, once again, he's seen as a very caring shepherd. But if you're going to talk about God as shepherd, you, you can't help but look at Ezekiel 34. You know, just like 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter, Ezekiel 34 talks about God as a, a shepherd. So turn to Ezekiel 34, if you would. And you see here, God is rebuking the human shepherds. Those leaders over Israel that were supposed to watch and to care for them uh, did not do so. And as a matter of fact, the people were scattered. And so the Lord is coming to rebuke and to deal with these shepherds, but he's also coming to comfort his people. And he says in verse 11, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. So the Lord cares for his sheep, even going after them as, as they are scattered. And then jump down to verse 14. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. You see, this sounds very much like Psalm 23, doesn't it? Where the Lord cares for the needs of His, of his people. And so we see that God the Father is shepherd, uh, the great Preacher Charles Spurgeon once said of the psalm, he said, We have all things and we abound as, as Christians, do we not? We have all things and we abound, but not because I have a good store of money in the bank, not because I have skill and wit with which to win my bread, but because the Lord is my shepherd. He is the one that, that meets all of my needs. Now, brothers and sisters, we have grown up in the church, many of us, and we have seen this idea of Lord and shepherd put together. Like I said, we're very familiar with that concept. But in ancient Israel, as in other ancient societies, a shepherd's work was considered to be the lowliest of all the work. You know, you, you probably recall it's not been that long since it's been Christmas, and you've probably heard some kind of Christmas sermon or something. And there's always uh, the account of the angels coming to the shepherds and how that's such a big deal because they are the low of the lowest, right? Um, as a matter of fact, they were not very trusted as people. They were looked down upon. As a matter of fact, shepherds were known to lie so much that their testimony was not accepted in a court of law. They were sort of like that. It's sort of like we think of fishermen, right? 
You know, how can you tell if a fisherman is lying? Just watch his lips and see if they're moving, right? You know, because fishermen are known to exaggerate. It was that big. Yeah, it really was that big. But we want you to think it was that big, right? So shepherds were a lot the same way. And so they are seen as lowly. And, and in a family uh, who needed a shepherd, is always the youngest son who was the one to watch the sheep. Because shepherds had to live with the sheep 24-7. The care for them was unending. And if I could think of, I was trying to think of a modern analogy to help you. And, and uh, I don't mean this as moms are lowly, but I sort of see moms in that category. They never get time off, right? They're always on 24-7. You know, watching the kids and caring for the family and, and everything, uh, just tirelessly loving others. And, and that's really what a shepherd does. Day and night, summer and winter, fair weather, weather like today, foul weather. The shepherds labor to nourish and to guide, to protect the sheep. Um, and, and you really can appreciate this when you come to understand the nature of sheep. They are dumb. I'm sorry, but they are dumb. And they're also very distracted and very rebellious and very difficult to, to shepherd lots of times. And, and, and yeah, you know, you look at this and you think, who in their right mind would want to be a shepherd? And yet we read that Jehovah has chosen to be the shepherd of his people. Brothers and sisters, let that sink in. Let that sink in. As David said, the great God of the universe has stooped to take just such care of you and me. Now, we think so highly of ourselves, we think that's a privilege for God to take care of me, right? But that's not so. And God, yet, yeah, He takes care of us. Well, we also see in this whole metaphor of shepherd that not only is God the Father shepherd, but so is Christ. And I won't read a lot of passages in the New Testament because I know you know that Jesus is the shepherd. We see that in Luke 15, uh, 4 through 7. But, but turn, if you would, to John 10. You know, if, if Exodus 34 is sort of talks about how God the Father is, is shepherd, then John 10 is the New Testament equivalent. And I want us you to, to, to note that who your shepherd is. I want you to see his character, his nature. John 10 let me read uh, verses 2 through 4. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Jesus doesn't drive us as sheep. He leads us as sheep. He, he speaks, and, and the sheep hear his voice and know it, and they follow him. Skip down to verses 11 and 12. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. But our shepherd doesn't do that. He cares. He protects us. Uh, look down at verse 14 through 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so Jesus is, is bringing new sheep into to his fold. 
And so it's not a stretch to apply Psalm 23 to the New Testament believer because Jesus is our, our shepherd. And, and as a shepherd, what, what does he do for his sheep? Well, let, let me just borrow from Joel Beakey as he says this. He goes, the great shepherd not only purchases and owns his sheep, but he also preserves them. You know, we know that Jesus sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And, and in doing so, brothers and sisters, I don't know if you've thought about this, but he pursues you moment by moment with divine watchfulness and tender loving kindness. I know for us, we may leave this worship service and we may go on with the other things that we have planned for the day. And we may think about the Lord and we may not think about the Lord. We may get busy with the things that we have to do this week and and we will have our quiet times in the morning and our family worship and we'll do those things but many times during the day we're not thinking about the Lord but he's always thinking about his sheep he is praying for us and he is interceding for us and he is uh, caring for us Jesus spares no pains for the welfare of his sheep his preservation involves all of his shepherding gifts and his operations what does the shepherd do? Here again, Dr. Beakey goes on and he says, first of all, he has a shepherd's heart, which shows unconditional love towards his chosen flock. He loves us, brothers and sisters, more than we could imagine. But he also has the shepherd's hand. He guides us and, and he leads us and he directs us as his sheep. He's, he's steering us away from sin and Satan and the world. He steers us away from selfishness and, and away from false doctrine. We will encounter those things, but as the good shepherd, as he sees that we encounter those, he is there to guide us away from those things. He, he has a shepherd's eye. You know, he always has his view on the entire flock, even those that are wandering far from the path. And Jesus will do whatever it takes to bring his sheep back into the fold no matter how painful it might have to be in order to get that sheep to come back in. He is faithful to do that. But he also has a shepherd's ear. He responds to the bleeding of his sheep, the crying out of, of one of his sheep, almost as if they were the only sheep. And so if you are here today and you've been crying out to the Lord and you've been praying and yet God has not answered you, it's not because he doesn't hear. He hears. He loves you. He cares for you. If he's not answered, it's just the timing is not right. But continue to lift up your prayers and to trust knowing that he hears you. Because he's also, he has a shepherd's nearness. He, he, he stays close to the sheep. He's not a shepherd who is far removed. If a shepherd is too far away from the sheep, the wolf can come in or the bear or whoever and attack the sheep, but he can't get there in time. But our shepherd is close to us. He cares for us. He walks among us. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He never goofs off. He's right there. But he also has a shepherd's knowledge. He, he knows his flock within and without. As a matter of fact, brothers and sisters, he knows us better than we know ourselves. We might think a little more highly of ourselves and our abilities than really what we ought. But God knows us exactly in who we are. He's minutely acquainted with all of our weaknesses. He understands our, our propensity towards certain sin. He understands our infirmity, our sorrows, our joys. And he meets our needs as our shepherd with great wisdom. And so that's who this psalm is focused upon. 
the Lord who is our shepherd. But he goes on in Psalm 23 and he talks about the benefit of, of the Lord being our shepherd. Because of that, I will lack nothing, he said. In other words, uh, um, I, I, I won't necessarily get everything I want, but I'll get everything I need. Because sometimes the things we want actually are harmful for us rather than good for us. So he'll give us everything that we need. And that's why it's important because for sheep, they are very helpless animals. And so brothers and sisters, you know, as, as much as being called a sheep is, can seem very insulting, it's very apropos, believe me, okay? Because they are very helpless animals and, and we are the same way. But if we belong to the one who is self-sufficient, to the one who is unlimited, who is utterly unchanged by time or circumstances, if we look to him for guidance, if we trust in him, if we follow his voice, he is sufficient for all things and will provide for us. And what is it that we won't lack? Well, that's what we're going to look at as we go through this series. That's what he, the, uh, David unpacks in verses uh, 2 through 6. But let it suffice to say for now that God is our source. God is the one to turn to. We live in days and times that are very uncertain, and people are looking for answers. People are looking for stability. They're looking for security. Sometimes they look in their jobs. Sometimes they look at, in their own ability. Sometimes uh, they may try to find satisfaction in their spouse or their families, uh, whatever. But none of that will, will satisfy us. It's only as we look to the Lord. Now, like sheep, we lack everything, but our great shepherd lacks nothing. One um, other word that you might notice that I failed to, to mention at the first part of verse 1 is that little word, my. But I would suggest to you that that's not an insignificant word. God is, 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 is not some great and powerful God out there that's very distant from us and what we're going through. He is close to us. He is my shepherd. And I think it's very significant. And actually, as you look at the pronouns, as we work our way through this psalm, you'll find it's very significant. And David says, the Lord, this great, this mighty God is my shepherd. Not just the shepherd of God's people, not just the shepherd of the flock, but he is my shepherd. He is close. He is, he is with me. He knows me better than I know myself. I think about Psalm 139. Uh, let me read from verses 1 through 6. How the Lord describes his relationship with people. Oh Lord, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. Kids, what that means is when it says he hems us in, it means God's before us and he's behind us. He boxes us in. He's all around us. We're not outside of his care. He has us in his protective presence. Uh, so he hems us in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. 
You see, our shepherd's knowledge of us is not just intellectual. It is relational. God is, is, is intimate. And it's an extremely loving relationship that he has with us. If I could remind you from uh, Paul's writings, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. He says, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, God loves us with a love that is sacrificial. Our good shepherd has died for us. He has came and he has died for us. And he will give us, therefore he's going to give us everything. I mean, how could he show us his love in any greater way than coming and dying for us and then promising to preserve us and to give us all that we need? Brothers and sisters, I, I, I don't know what you're facing in your life right now. Maybe you're going through some really rough temptations right now. Maybe fear is, is gripping your heart. Maybe as you look around at, at the things that are going on in the world, there's a lot of worry that's been coming your way. Uh, maybe uh, you've struggled with lust or depression or any number of other sins. Or, or maybe uh, you're facing future decisions about the future, uh, but you feel very inadequate. You, you don't know what decisions to make. You don't know how to fit all the pieces together to m make things happen the way you think they ought to happen in the future. And so you're struggling. Maybe you're battling with relationships. Maybe it's within your family. Maybe it's with your spouse or with one of your kids. Maybe it's with your boss or, or somebody at work. Maybe it's with a, a distant relative. You're, you're having clashes. You know, whatever it is that we're going through, remember that the Lord is our shepherd. And, and, and sometimes when we go through those things, sometimes it's God is teaching us what it means for all the foundations of our lives to be stripped away. Because it's only when those foundations are stripped away and those things that we want to trust in that we then begin to turn to the Lord to trust in Him and to see Him. And, it, you know, we may have memorized Psalm 23, but do these first words in this psalm really grip us? Do we find rest and, and peace in that? The Lord is my shepherd. Are we looking to him, brothers and sisters, in those circumstances that we find ourselves in? Or are we living our lives sort of like, I got it. Don't worry, Lord. I got it. I can take care of it. Well, the reality is we don't got it. You know, when it comes to the circumstances of our lives, we don't got it. And, and even in those times where we may be tempted just to, to think that we can handle it, and we're totally ignoring the shepherd... I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, He does not neglect us. We might neglect Him, but He is always there with us. We might toil to control the circumstances of our lives to no avail, and, 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 and no one likes to experience want or discontentment because by nature we want to be satisfied and we want to be happy. 
But we're never going to find that satisfaction until we look to Him. And we've got to remember, brothers and sisters, even in those times where we don't, let me remind you of the words of the psalmist, that He what He hems us in, before and behind, laying His hand upon us. He will never leave us, and He will never forsake us. Will you turn to Him and to trust Him for every care that you have? Will you rest in Him this morning as your shepherd? Now, maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as, as your shepherd. Maybe you're not part of His fold. Maybe you have been a sheep wandering all along, uh, all alone, driven by your own desires and wishes. But maybe you're hearing me talk today and you are tired and you are weary of carrying that burden of your life. Jesus calls you to come to Him. He's calling you to come and to trust Him, to acknowledge that rightfully that He is the Lord God, that He alone is worthy of your worship and your life. And He calls you to come and to admit that you have lived a life of sin against Him, knowing that He not only is able, but He is willing to forgive that sin and to make you a new creature, make Him, make you His child. As, as the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 1, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If, if you are hearing my voice today and you think, oh, but Jesus can't, he can't, uh, he can't accept me. What you have to understand is he doesn't just take you as you are. He does take you as you are, but he doesn't leave you as you are. And he changes you and he makes you a new creature in Christ. And if you'd like to talk more about this, I would love to, to talk to you. But God is calling you to come to Him and to admit your sin, to confess that, repent of that, and turn to Him and ask Him for, your, for forgiveness and to make you a new creature in Christ. And He can do exactly that. Brothers and sisters, we, we live in a day and a time that is very uncertain. I, I keep seeing news articles that come across my blog or my RSS feed of just how you know we were in 2020 and and so many people were just looking forward to 2021 right because things had to get better right well but the headlines I keep reading are things like this how American satisfaction with life plummets from last year that even as as Americans continue on we, we even feel more disheartened than what we felt before and part of that is we're getting all kinds of mixed messages. You know, COVID's going down 30% worldwide. Yay! But more governors are requiring everybody to wear masks. Uh, now we have a vaccine. Yay! But, you know, we're not sure the vaccine will keep you from getting COVID or getting it from other people. And we are just being tossed to and fro by everything in our life. It just seems like this is a more difficult time than any other time that we've been in in America and we can feel very unsettled and we can feel very disheartened but brothers and sisters I just want to remind you that our satisfaction our well-being is not attached to the things of this world the Lord the Lord who is self-sufficient who COVID can't even touch 
the Lord who is unchangeable is the one who is your shepherd. And even as you walk through these times, you will not want anything as you look to Him. Will you trust Him this morning? Will you put your confidence and your satisfaction in Him? Let's bow, if we could, this morning and reflect upon this. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for, for this wonderful psalm that you have given to us. We know it's a psalm that is, is good for life as it is for death. We oftentimes hear it read at funerals because it gives us comfort, Lord, as we, we think about transitioning from this life to the next. But it also gives us great comfort, Lord, as we live this life even now. And I just pray for your people this morning, Lord, as we are gathered here today. Uh, Lord, I'm sure there are various things that are going on, things that are filling our minds, things that, that, that draw our attention away from you. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to reflect upon the reality this week that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack anything because he is sufficient. And Lord, help us to rest in you. Father, I pray for the person that may be listening today who doesn't know you, that they could see, Lord, that, that their life will never amount to nothing apart from you, that you are the one that, that gives our life meaning. And so, Lord, I pray that they would turn their hearts and their lives over to you today. And Father, I pray that you would so work in us that, Lord, people would look at us and say, why are you so different? Don't you read the news? Don't you know the things that are going on in the world? But I pray that they would see such a peace and such a joy in us that it would be an opportunity, Lord, for us to share Christ and the hope that comes only in you. We thank you, Lord, and pray these things in your name. Amen.